Blog Talk Radio. From Live in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at School. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Monday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help challenging students and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach in your classroom and your school. If you have a question or comment, call 646-727-2691. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about challenging kids and how we can help them. Hello there. Welcome to today's program. I am delighted to report that today is an Anytown High School Day. Haven't talked to our friends at Anytown lately, but they are continuing to try to implement the collaborative problem-solving approach uh, in their building and, of course, running into the usual uh, peaks and valleys. and so we're going to bring them on momentarily. But, um, well, how are your efforts to implement collaborative problem solving in your building going? Um, I'm hoping that you're finding these Anytown programs to be helpful. And, uh, well, that's what we do that this program for. Of course, the program is sponsored by Lives in the Balance, the nonprofit I founded to advocate on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their parents and teachers and other caregivers and to provide free resources on um, to people who want to learn more about collaborative problem solving. There is a new section on the Lives in the Balance website. It's called Good and Bad News, and it provides you with a nice compilation of all of the news stories that have been in the media lately, pertinent to behaviorally challenging kids and how they are understood and treated at school uh, and in restrictive therapeutic facilities, in patient units, residential facilities, prisons, mostly schools, to tell you the truth. And um, that's worth checking out as well. Good and bad news, brand new section in on the Lives in a Balance website. Um, well, let's get our friends from any town on. And um, welcome to the program, friends at Anytown High School. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Good to be with you all again. And um, I have a bit of a sense of our agenda today. So uh, why don't we jump right in? What do you, what do you all want to uh, cover first? Um, this is Marisol. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about um, Pete. Um, actually, um, we were referring to her as Star at our last um, session. She was the Wait a minute, Star, Star and T Star. are the same kid? No, T and Star are two different kids. Oh, okay. But I was Got hoping you. that I could talk about Star. Let's talk about Star. Star was the student that I talked about at our last session, and the biggest um, challenge that I was struggling with was she clearly knows um, what her concerns are, but when you try to bring the adult concern to the table, she isn't as patient, open, and willing to just work through it. 
Um, so that was what we had talked about at the last session. Okay. Um, and since then, I have continued to work with her, but I I need to say that um, she there was a disruption in that she thought she was going to be transferring from our school, and during that time where she thought she was leaving, um, her behaviors were extremely, extremely challenging. Um, I felt like all the progress that I had made with her, um, we had gone completely backwards. Um, I, I did try several times to engage her in conversations about what was happening, um, you know, with the escalated behaviors, um, definitely knowing that, there, that the change, you know, had something to do with it. But unfortunately, she wasn't um, in a place where she was productive in the conversation. Since then, it was um, decided that she was not going to transfer. She was going to stay here at Buckley. And she received a new schedule, which reflected her original schedule. Um, and she actually has absolutely um, done a 360 since she's received the new schedule. I met with her um, last week. I met with her again today, and we've talked a little bit about, you know, all the positive feedback that I've gotten from her teachers, um, being focused, completing her work, staying on task. Um, and we talked a little bit about you know, what did she think was, you know, helping her do that? And, I mean, the primary thing she said was that she was just really happy that she was staying and she was really happy that she got her original schedule back. So that's what I'm trying now to capitalize on. Um, there's what? obviously been some, you know, some, some, some minor issues, um, but... I am trying to focus on, you know, her her genuine excitement of where she is now emotionally, where she feels she's back where with teachers that knew her and she related to to some degree. And I must say that the feedback from the teachers has been very positive so far in general. And so what I'm hearing is that um, Plan B itself hasn't changed anything yet. It's just that, if I'm hearing you right, but mm -hmm. Star is much more receptive. She's in a better space to be able to participate in Plan B now Ex that a few right. things have fallen into place for her. Yes, exactly, exactly. That is exactly what I'm saying. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Good, Which, okay. Know. Strike while the iron is hot. <laughs> and I guess here's what that means for me. Let's make sure that we've got our list of unsolved problems squared away and that we know which ones we want to start talking with her about. Okay. Uh, otherwise, she won't be receptive for long because everybody's working with her on something different. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure that we know which ones we've prioritized and we want to make sure that we've decided who's going to be talking with STAR about each of those unsolved problems so that mm -hmm. 
we know who's working on each one with her. We know which unsolved problems we're working on. And because we know who's working on each unsolved problem with her, that permits us to do some follow-up to find out what kind of solutions they come up with or whether the person who was supposed to be doing Plan B with her ran into trouble and needs help. Okay. That's sort of how to keep it organized so that we continue to say that STAR is um, participating actively with us and is in a space that permits us to actually get it done. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fantastic. Well, I'm glad. And I'd certainly rather have STAR in a space where she can participate in Plan B than have STAR in a place where she can't. Right, right. You know, and I suspect that, you know, previously when I was meeting with her, um, you know, and I was experiencing a lot of the resistance, um, I don't know if some of that was, you know, partly because she was unsure about whether or not she was going to be here at our school. You know, so I had to take that into account as well initially when I started thinking about the level of resistance that she was, you know, displaying whenever I tried to bring up an adult concern. So, but now, I, you know, obviously that factor is, 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 is resolved, and so we can hopefully move forward. We'll see how it goes from here. Mhm. Mhm. Good. So next time we talk, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing about what you all did. Plan B with Star on who did it and how it went. Okay. Sounds, Sounds good. good. Mhm. What else we got today? Can I just ask you a question? Another question before of we course. move on. Yeah. Um Would you? Do you think that when we identify what unresolved problem we're going to work with next, do you feel that I should continue to be that primary person or should we include other staff, you know, maybe like one of the other teachers in that process? Or do you feel like for continuity it should be myself with her? Well, that's a great question. Early on in a school trying to implement collaborative problem solving, I'm usually recommending that the people who do Plan B are the people who, number one, the kid is most likely to talk to, mm-hmm. which isn't always the person who the student is actually having trouble with. Mm-hmm. I'd rather I'd rather get the ball rolling with the person who the student is most likely to talk to, and often that isn't the person who they're having trouble with. Um and often that person does come from a core group of people, similar to what you all have assembled at any town, mm-hmm. because those are the people who are getting the most practice at Plan B and certainly the ones who are getting together frequently enough to think about what they're doing and try to work on it. Okay. But the ultimate goal over time, and I can't say that I have a specific timeline for this, but... Um, In my project that I have going on in Maine, where 14 different schools are implementing collaborative problem solving and they are receiving rather intensive supervision on a usually a weekly basis, we hope we have the folks in the core group pretty decent at Plan B, um, or or at least getting, getting their, you know, 
legs under them, plan B legs we might call it, um, within 10 to 12 weeks. And then, and they're, they're the ones who are getting good at using the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems first mm-hmm. and getting feedback on the use of it. They're the ones who are getting good at plan B and practicing it first and getting feedback on it. But mm-hmm. the ultimate goal is for everybody in the building to be getting good at plan B. So even though early on it's the people who the student is most likely to talk to who are going to be doing plan B, as time goes on, um, we're trying to extend it to everybody in the building. Otherwise, we run into the situation that exists in many schools where somebody who's having difficulty with a kid continues to send the student to the person who's going to solve the problem for them. Sometimes that's an assistant principal, sometimes that's a principal, and I personally don't think that that works over the long haul. I'm okay having certain designated people taking the lead on plan B early on in a building trying to do collaborative problem solving so long as we are keeping an eye on how we're going to make sure that this rolls out for the entire building. And what does that look like early on? Um, You know, Marisol, even if you're the one who's taking the lead on a plan B, we'd want to start keeping an eye toward how are we going to get other people to sit in the room on that conversation just to see what it looks like. And if it's a teacher whose star in particular, for example, is having difficulty with, and that's a person who we're saying, you know, it's, it's really kind of time for star and that teacher to start talking with each other instead of, you know, having you be the conduit. Um, it might be a good idea to see if we can get the teacher to sit in on a plan B, even if you're taking the lead, as okay. a pre- prelude to the teacher actually taking the lead on one at some point with you sitting in the room, but the teacher taking the lead. So we're always keeping an eye. Once, once people start getting the hang of plan B and the paperwork is in place and the ball is rolling within the core group of people, then it's always time to start keeping an eye on how are we going to get the people who are still having trouble with this kid to start doing plan B with this kid, and what's that going to look like? Okay. Okay. You know, and as you're talking, you know, I was taking some notes, and I think the bigger challenge is going to be is just creating that comfort level from observing and I'm taking the lead to helping maybe some of those other people feeling confident and comfortable enough to then be taking the lead and then I'm observing. That's right. Does that sense? Okay. That's that's really kind of how it works. I mean, I'm always asking people who are, once we have a core group of people who are half decent at it and we want to start extending it to other people who've really never given it a try and we badly want them to give it a try and get good at it, it's not such a terrible idea. I mean, I don't have an algorithm for that. It's not such a terrible idea to ask them what would be most comfortable for them. Some of them will say, you know what, I, I, I want to try this on my own. I don't, I don't want somebody in the room with me. I don't, that's not my, not my style. And some of them will say, um, boy, I can't imagine doing this on my own. So you, you mean I could sit in the room with you while you do it so I could see what you're doing? So not such a terrible idea to ask them what would be most comfortable. Um <laughs> But the whole idea is to really start moving in the direction of having other people in the building besides the people in the core group start getting good at it. Okay. And I think we've done about 15 sessions. We haven't, with with you all, 
and we haven't had the kind of frequency that I have in my project in Maine. So there, we haven't had quite the continuity. So it's been a little bit slower for you all. But Marisol, if you're feeling like you are half decent at Plan B at this point, mm-hmm. then I would recommend that you start now thinking about how to not become the Plan B go-to person in your building, but start thinking about how you're going to involve others in the process so they can get good at it too. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and in particular with this young lady, you know, my thought is, you know, that I know that there's one teacher in particular who I think she struggles with, and, and I really would like to see that teacher and star begin to work through this together with me hopefully being in the background, if if at all. Yep, and just remember... Um, anybody who's new at Plan B is new at Plan B. That they can they can watch the videos on the Lives in the Balance website. They can listen to the radio program. They can, you know, get all kinds of uh, doing it, hearing about it, watching it. Two different things completely compared to actually doing it yourself. Mm-hmm. What I've often felt is that there's really only one way to get good at Plan B, and that's to struggle at it. Mm-hmm. which is a great segue to our next part. We have somebody who's struggling with it. Well, she would like some some feedback from you. Let's see sure. what I can do. Hello. Uh, I think we need to get the microphone or the phone speaker a little closer to the person. Uh, this is Kim, the case manager. Good. We're, we can hear you loud and clear now. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, uh, we heard Kim, but only briefly, and that's because they got disconnected. So we're going to wait until they call back. Um, but that is what it looks like. Um, yes, Plan B early on is a struggle, Yes, over time we help people get good at Plan B by helping them through the struggle. And then those are the people who are going to be on the hook for um, teaching other people in the building how to do Plan B or at least modeling it for them uh, so that they can start to get good at it too. That's how it's been working in uh, the buildings that have reached the 10 to 12 session mark in the project that I have going on in Maine as well as projects in other buildings, any town has called back. You guys there again? Hello. Yes, we are. Got it. Okay, Kim, you're on. Okay. um, The problem I'm having is I have a student, um, I'll call her Jim. Jim? Yes. Jim? Her biggest problem. You came up with that just now, didn't you? (laughs) <laughs> yes. Go ahead. Um, her biggest problem is uh, skipping class. Okay. Um, and when I sat down with her and spoke to her about it, trying yep. to do empathy step, um, yep. it looks like there's a bunch of other trouble she's having. But then I think maybe I went too fast to the invitation step. And so now every time I see her, it's, She's in the hallway, and I'm like, come on, we spoke about this. Let's, let's get to class. And she's like, okay. 
And so I guess I'm having trouble in the uh, define the problem or just with maybe the empathy step. Okay. So, Kim, we're going to need for me to help you with this. I'm going to need as much detail as you can give me on what you did do in the empathy step, even beginning with how you began the empathy step with her. How did you introduce the topic? It, it usually begins with, I've noticed that. Did you start that way? Um, Kind of. What happened okay, was... Let, let's hear I, what you said. All right, so I met with her and the principal, and we spoke about the problem, and then she came to me later, and we spoke more about it. Okay. So what did you learn... It, it sounds, I mean, I'm hearing a few different possible things. One is that the, the as you started talking with her about not getting to class, the, the unsolved problem morphed on you, and you learned about a bunch of other stuff. But I don't want to jump the gun on what happened. Tell me, tell me what you learned about Jim, both as it relates to what you heard about why she wasn't getting to class and other unsolved problems that you heard about once she was talking. Um, she started out, well, I asked her, you know, what's the biggest reason why she's skipping class? And she mentioned there's some other students she likes hanging around with, and they're also big skippers. Like, they'll they'll cut class, too. All right, so we know that's, that's the first thing she said, apparently, yes? Yeah. Okay. So what else do you know? Um, after that, she she told me that um, she has trouble in her math class, which is probably the second reason why she's skipping. Is she skipping all classes or just some classes? Um, some classes during the day. Sometimes it'll change between classes after lunch. Sometimes it'll be classes before lunch. Because here's what I might here's what I might suggest just from the get go. I'm often not that not that you did anything wrong per se, but I'm often recommending that people, even though she may be skipping multiple classes, she may be skipping those different classes for completely different reasons. And so I would probably start with one class that she is skipping in particular. And math might have been the place to start, I'm not sure. And and that's what I've sometimes called splitting rather than clumping. Clumping is we've noticed that you are having difficulty making it to class, and I would call that clumping because there's numerous classes that she's having difficulty getting to. And the reason I'm not a big fan of clumping is because, and it doesn't sound like you necessarily ran into this, but I'm not sure. But one of the reasons that I'm not a big fan of clumping is because um, – she might be skipping those classes, those different classes, for completely different reasons. And now we might have made it harder for her to answer us in very specific ways because she may be having difficulty thinking about the different reasons that she's having, that she's skipping the different classes. And so my inclination is usually to split, and that is to say, to, to ask her about one specific class. Once we've learned about why she's skipping that class, we can then broaden it out again and say, do you think that that's the reason you're also skipping, and you can name another class, or is it for different reasons? 
So the, the, the take-home message is I'd rather start narrow and broaden it out than start broad and try to get more specific from there. Now, it doesn't sound like it was fatal, although I'm not sure. She said there's kids who I'm hanging out with who skip too. Um, what else did you learn? Um, well, she told me she didn't like math class. She didn't like her music class. Okay, and so now that, that would give us the opportunity to drill further on what she doesn't like about those classes. Did we get any information there? Yeah, for her music class, she didn't like that it was um, like instrument type music. She wanted to do singing. Okay, that's good to know. And the problem with math class is that um, she doesn't understand it too well, and she feels the teacher is going too fast for her. Interesting, a completely different reason. And that's, I guess that's interesting. That kind of makes the point that I was making, and that is that, and truth is, that that convinces me that it wasn't fatal that you started broad. You still got rather specific information about the different classes that she's skipping. But to tell you the truth, I would treat each of them as a separate unsolved problem. Because if we try to clump them together, and this kind of proves it, uh, we're not going to learn a great deal about either. Um, and it might make, I mean, if we're focused on skipping in general, it might make it harder for us to focus as extensively as might be ideal on getting as much information as we can about math, as much information as we can about music. Um, so that, that's a good example of why we wouldn't want to clump and would rather split. But I keep interrupting you. Keep going. Um, then she mentioned that she had some, some trouble at home, which is why she's usually, oh, um, sometimes she's not just skipping, but she'll go out to, she'll wander the hallways a little bit to be on her phone, which was another okay. thing that she did while skipping. Not just hanging out with the other kids, but she, she sometimes goes in into the hallway to text or call on her cell phone. Okay. Who, do we know who she's calling? What's the urgency? Um, I've asked her about it. She said sometimes it's her mom that she's texting. Sometimes it's other kids who are in different classes. Sounds like you got a fair amount of pretty good information there, believe it or not. Tell me what part you're struggling with here. It's not one thing I'm, I'll say. She did talk. Yeah, she did. Um, what part the, are you struggling with? I guess setting up a solution. Ah, ah. Did you try to come up with a solution to skipping? Yes. No no way. <laughs> <laughs> See, here's what happened. First, you clumped. Then, despite early clumping, you were able to split but then, after you got very specific information about the different classes that she was splitting, that she was skipping, each of which would require, by the way, its own solution, you clumped again and tried to come up with a solution to skipping in general, when in fact, 
helping her not skip math means solving whatever problem is getting in her way in math that is causing her to skip math. But as we learned, the reason she's skipping math, she doesn't understand it, does not apply to music. She doesn't like playing an instrument. She wants to sing. There's no way that the solution to the skipping math problem would apply to the skipping... Oops, I did it again. Would apply to the skipping music unsolved problem. They're actually two completely separate unsolved problems. And to help her go to math and to help her go to music, we'd have to solve the problems that are specific to each of those classes because they are different unsolved problems. Even though they fall under the basic clump of skipping, they are two completely different unsolved problems. I don't think you're going to be able to come up with a solution to skipping that is the same for all of the circumstances under which she's skipping. Dr. Green. Um, that makes, before it, we go on, does that make sense? Yes, it does. Good. I, I just wanted to ask a follow-up question with what you just said. So for each problem that needs its own solution, I mean, but would it be okay to have that conversation within that same session, or do you think that that's too much? Uh, depends how much time you have. Mm-hmm. I, I certainly wouldn't try. That wouldn't be my goal. My goal would be to solve them one at a time well. So to tell you the truth, I'd start with math. I don't really care where you start, but let's say you started with math. I'd want to see math all the way through because I'd want to I'd want to understand it as well as possible in the empathy step. And what we're looking for is a solution specific to skipping math, but she's skipping math because of problems in math, and those are the things that need to be solved so that she doesn't skip it. But now I'm curious. So does that make sense? So I'm not. I don't. I think that um, danger here is in clumping, and in thinking that you're going to be able to come up with a solution to skipping all of the classes, even though she's skipping them for completely different reasons. Skipping is just where she is on what I would call the spectrum of looking bad. She's mm-hmm. skipping in response to separate unsolved problems. But now you got me curious. What what was the solution to skipping? What solution did you guys come up with? Or did you not come up with one? We we kind of did. What I, was it? I well, I asked her what's the problem with skipping class, and then she told me that it reflects her grade in the class. And that so was Yeah, that's what she that's what she came up with. And so then I I told her that what would it take to get her grade up? And she said being in class. And then I said, then that's what we need to get, that's what you need to get doing. Like, that's what you need to start doing. So what was the and solution? She, Going to class? Yes. <laughs> and she said, you know, you know I'll, I'll try. I need, to come up, said, <laughs> I need to come up with a name for this. There's, There's got to be a catchy name for this because the solution ended up being merely the opposite of what she's doing now. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Apparently the and I'm not I'm not giving you a hard time. This actually came up last week 
um, with one of my students, um, and it was exactly the same unsolved problem, by the way, um, a kid who was skipping class. And lo and behold, what was the solution to the skipping class unsolved problem? She shouldn't skip class. Seems when in fact, what's that? I said seems reasonable, though. <laughs> well, it, well, here's the deal, though. Consistent with the themes of collaborative problem solving, if she was able to solve the problems that were causing her to skip class in the first place right. on her own, she wouldn't mm-hmm. be skipping class in the first place. Right. Okay. Us simply um, coming up with a solution that she shouldn't skip class uh, isn't going to help her solve the problems that are causing her to skip class in the first place. We need a solution to the math class problem that isn't merely she shouldn't skip it. We already know she shouldn't skip it. She knows she shouldn't skip it. But I'm predicting that so long as the difficulties she's having in math remain unresolved, she's still going to skip it. And I think that may be, this is easy for me to say based on the information you've given me, and it's easy in hindsight, I think that may be why you're still reminding her to go to math class. But when you're reminding her and you're saying, don't forget what we said, all you really said was, you got to go to math class. Don't skip. Don't skip is not going to solve the math class unsolved problem. Don't skip isn't going to solve the uh, music unsolved problem. And don't skip isn't going to solve the problem of her hanging out with other people who skip. And don't skip isn't going to solve the problem of her feeling need to talk on her cell phone during classes. Those are, believe it or not, four separate unsolved problems. Now, to what degree is there some overlap between them? Not sure. I mean, maybe she's talking on her cell phone only because she's skipping. And if we solved the math class problem and we solved the music problem, we wouldn't need to solve the talking on our cell phone problem because we solved the other ones. And the only reason she was talking on her cell phone is because the other problems weren't solved. That could happen. So we, the, the ones that I would start with are music and math. But they're two separate unsolved problems. Well, by the way, Kim, don't feel bad. Adults are famous for coming up with solutions that are merely the opposite of what the kid is doing now. But they tend not to solve the problem because they're just the opposite of what the kid is doing now. That They're what we want the kid to be doing that the kid is having clearly difficulty doing. Does that help? Yes, it does. Good. This is a, Kim? Nina, and I believe I know who that student is. And uh, I've had contact with her before. I was just confirming with uh, Kim that I was correct. She, I've noticed when I've spoken to her, and not necessarily in a Plan B formalized type setting, but just in speaking to her, she has a lot of coping mechanisms that she really tries to cover a lot of her deficits. So just Mm -hmm. in support to Kim, I think it's going to take a lot more discussion and talking to her before you kind of get her to open up and actually give you any ideas of what the real problems are. Because she's the kind of kid who will run up to you, hug you, and be like, I'm going to do better today, miss, and then be right on her cell phone. Oh, but we're good, right? 
like happy as anything, just using all these different techniques she knows to be very personable and cover for the fact that she has extreme difficulty starting and completing assignments. She has extreme uh. difficulty separating herself from her friends and making time for academics versus socialization. Good. So I so just you're... she needs a lot more talking. Well, you're reinforcing the point. Here's the good news. Kim did get from this student, who we're calling Jem, I think. Um, She did get that there's certain specific things about music that are getting in the way for Jem, and that's, that's a good start. I'd say there's further to go. She did get that the work in math is hard. I'd want to hear much more about what work, what's hard. But I would say that Kim is off to a good start. There's just, I I think the key here is to drill further, but especially to treat them as separate unsolved problems. You're no longer in the solving the skipping problem business. It's too broad, too clumped. You're in the solving the math class unsolved problem and the solving the music class unsolved problem. And I'm just not sure how much the others will come along for the ride, the other unsolved problems, cell phone, um, hanging out with kids who skip. Maybe those will come along and we won't have to solve them separately, but we have at least two unsolved problems that need to be solved separately. But um, So the truth is, given what we just heard, it sounds like Kim, while she needs to drill further, Kim did rather well to get what she got, just we need to go further and treat them as separate unsolved problems. Dr. Green, it's Marisol again. You know, one of the one of the challenges when we're drilling, um, and I'm you know I'm thinking of some other sessions I've had, is that there are like layers that like come out. And then, you know, one of the things that I have to, like, really work hard at is not getting distracted by, like, all the different things that come to the table that aren't necessarily, like, that primary focus. Because you're saying that each unsolved problem needs to be addressed individually. But oftentimes when you're having you know, a conversation with the student, you know, it's it's not as compartmentalized. You know, I mean, it's, it just seems like sometimes a lot comes out, and then it's almost like at the, on, on the spot, I'm listening, and then I have to, like, work through the layers. Does that make sense? It does, and the reality is um, there's always judgment calls to be made when you're doing Plan B. Sometimes, if I'm understanding what you're saying correctly, sometimes the unsolved problem morphs and you end up in territory that is different from where you started and you have a judgment call to make about whether to stay in the new territory or stick with the old territory. And that's a, that's totally a judgment call. I don't have an algorithm for that. That's just That's just a judgment call, but it's very common for people to start out with one thing 
and end up with what really is going on and find themselves working on a different unsolved problem. Sometimes um, you just get a lot of information that some of which is relevant to the unsolved problem, other information is not relevant. The, my default there is I don't want to do anything that's going to cause the kid to stop talking. So especially early in Plan B, when I've opened a spigot with a kid who wasn't talking all along, um, my tolerance for somewhat extraneous information tends to be fairly high because I finally got this kid talking, and it's, and it's frequently a kid that people are saying wasn't talking all along. So um, I don't want to do anything that's going to cause him to stop talking, even if that prolongs things a bit. I'm willing to prolong it just so I've established a comfort level with the kid and the kid feels like I'm somebody that they can talk to. Perfect. Who can't complain about that. So there's a lot of things that can happen in Plan B that do require that we make a judgment call on where to take things as it's happening. In mm -hmm. this case, in the case of Kim and Jim, it actually sounds like Kim started with a clumped unsolved problem, skipping. Um, the information that she received let her know that she was dealing with multiple unsolved problems, and that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, the, the tricky part the, where the road curved a little is um, – Kim then went back to clumping when, in fact, she should have treated both as separate unsolved problems. But that's, you know, that's something you learn along the way. That's, that's you know, that's a um, what do I do now that I'm in the thick of this unsolved problem? What, what, what turn do I take? What exit do I get off on here? And that's something that just comes with experience. But as, as a general rule, you want to stick with splitting if you can. The only reason you'd go with clumping is if what you were learning from Jim was that the reason she was skipping everything was the exact same reason. There was no difference between math, no difference between music. She's skipping everything for the exact same reason. Um, I can't think of what that would be because usually things do get split. But occasionally you do find that uh, all of the seemingly split unsolved problems have clumped together in some meaningful way, and you can come up with a clumped solution. It's just that that's not the way it usually goes. But as you can see, all of this stuff, the more Plan B you do, the more fluent you feel and the more comfortable with your decision you are making you become in the midst of Plan B. And, you know, I hate to make it so technical because a lot of people would say, wait a minute, aren't, you, aren't we just talking to kids here? And the answer is no, we're not just talking to kids here. There's actually some ways that this can go awry and we want to try to protect against those ways and I'm I'm enjoying this conversation immensely today because we're talking about some of these sort of more nuanced but very significant things that can be impediments to plan B going well. So Kim, you've got your marching orders. Um you got two different unsolved problems to talk to her about, possibly four, you'll find out, but we're going to declump skipping and um split it a little. The good news is she's talking. The good news is Kim is getting good information. There's more drilling to be done, but there's a lot of good news in Kim's story as well. Mm -hmm. On that note, believe it or not, today flew by for me anyways. Um, 
we probably need to call it a day. I don't remember when our next Anytown program is, but we'll figure it out and between now and the next time. Uh, thanks, Anytown. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, thanks to the rest of you for listening. Obviously, we I sure do hope that these – well, you know what? I don't just have to hope it. Um, I get lots of feedback on these Anytown programs from people who are finding them to be extremely helpful. So thank you to our brave friends at Anytown High School for not only learning how to do collaborative problem solving, but learning how to do it on live web-based radio for the rest of you. Talk to you next week. <laughs>